Hello and welcome to African Joe Paddy. My name is Ife and I'm recording from Creole. Hi everyone, uh, this is Jihia. I'm the co-host of African Jeopardy and I'm recording from Vancouver in Canada. Today, we will be talking about the Suppression of Piracy and Other Maritime Offenses Act 2019, a panacea for good maritime security in the Gulf of Guinea. And of course, the, the, the Piracy Act we're talking about here is the Nigeria's Maritime Offenses and Piracy Act 2019. And we have an amazing guest to discuss this topic with us today. Yes, we're absolutely lucky and honored to host Constance Omagbemi. Constance uh, is a corporate lawyer presently with the Nigerian Maritime Administration and Safety Agency. She spent the first five years of her career as a litigation lawyer with two leading law firms in Nigeria before she joined the Legal Services Unit of NIMASA in January 2013. Constance holds a master's degree in commercial maritime law from uh, Swansea University in the UK. She's a member of the Chartered Institute of Arbitrator, uh, Arbitrators UK and the Chartered Governance Institute UK. At NIMASA, she provides premium legal support towards the realization of uh, the agency's mission to achieve and sustain safe, secure shipping, cleaner oceans, and enhanced maritime capacity in line with the best global practices towards Nigeria's economic development. Her diligent efforts in the agency and penchant for excellent earned her the award of Employee of the Year in 2019. Having her roots in the Niger Delta region of Nigeria, she became very concerned about the maritime security issues in the Gulf of Guinea, following the constant indictment of persons uh, from the Niger Delta in maritime security incidents. She's passionate in seeing that the maritime security challenges within the Gulf of Guinea is effectively addressed from a policy standpoint. And for this, she devotes her time to undertake independent research and provides uh, noteworthy insights. We're really lucky. And I think that this is the, the constant is, Constance is the kind of people that we want to have, uh, you know, when we talk about piracy and we want to define what it means, we want to understand what it means, uh, the, the, the issues around piracy in the region uh, of the Gulf of Guinea, basically. Welcome, Constance. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure to join you guys today. Thank you. And I mean, without further ado, I would want to just go on straight forward and ask you, can you tell us what the Nigeria Suppression of Piracy and Other Maritime Offenses Act of 2019 is all about? Okay, uh, I mean, a lot has, has been said about the act. I mean, it's been in the public domain for like over two years now. So I'll just like summarize it. It's uh, an act that criminalizes uh, piracy and other maritime uh, security offenses. So the interesting thing about the act is that under the United Nations uh, Convention, uh, 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 Law of the Sea Convention, piracy, the definition of piracy there, which uh, the act, uh, the Suppression of Piracy Act adopted, it's uh, limiting in the sense that uh, it doesn't cover um, incidences uh, in the territorial waters. It's uh, on the high seas. But the act, uh, it goes further to adopt the offenses uh, listed under the SWA Convention. 
that's the uh, Convention for the Suppression of Unlawful Acts Against the Safety of Maritime Navigation, 1998, and the protocols. He, he adopted all the offenses there. So apart from the leading offense of uh, piracy, there are 18 other offenses that are listed in the, uh, defined in the Suppression of Piracy Act. And uh, the interesting thing about it is that it addresses uh, basically all the maritime security threats you can actually think of in the marine environment. So it's a very, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a landmark uh, legislation, I would say. Again, because uh, before 2019, when this law was passed, it was actually a challenge um, prosecuting uh, offenders for this uh, uh, maritime uh, security breaches. But uh, with the enactment of this law, I mean, Nigeria took that bold step. And uh, even though, I mean, <laughs> as we go on, my talk about the, the challenges uh, that is affecting effective implementation, but it's still a very, very, is a very uh, laudable act because like uh, it puts us uh, as, as true leaders in taking action to address maritime security within the Gulf of Guinea. That is absolutely insightful. Um, I have a question not coming from this particular field and it might be a bit more taking us a little bit back for our more general audience. Um, you know, it might be something that, it might be a question that is perceived as being naive, but it's, it's really me thinking about the general audience as well. What is piracy? What defines piracy? And what we see at sea, you know, the threats to maritime security, you know, is any act of threatening maritime piracy, uh, could it be, you know, uh, maritime security, sorry, could it be called an act of piracy? What defines piracy basically? It's just an effort for me to actually, you know, um, make sure that the general audience that we have can understand what piracy is and what it means and how it manifests itself. Okay, so the acts of uh, piracy, there are critical um, things to look for. So it's an illegal act of violence. So it uh, happens in international waters against another ship. So it means uh, there are two ships usually involved or aircraft or persons. So the um, act of piracy, it's, uh, is, uh, it's, it's intentionally facilitated to um, cause harm or damage for private ends by the crew of a, a passenger ship. So the main distinguishing thing about piracy is that it's committed for private ends and it involves acts of violence and happens in the international waters. So that, that's what sets it apart from other maritime uh, crimes like arm robbery and all that. So like for your arm robbery, it happens in uh, uh, territorial waters, not in international waters. Okay, that ex that explains a lot actually for so I I um I have a follow up question with regards to that. Um, mm -hmm. what drives piracy in the Gulf of Guinea? Oh, that's <laughs> is an interesting question, and uh, I I I mean people that uh, uh, all offenses yeah there's usually an intention behind it. I know a lot has been said uh, as uh, against. Uh, Niger Delta people, let me put it that way. They feel they are the main drivers. But I think piracy, even before uh, it became prominent and the people from Niger Delta were indicted, is, is, is an older, is, is, is an ancient uh, uh, a crime. 
So it's as old as uh, shipping itself. So I don't want to say is the economic situation in Nigeria that is actually fueling it. I see piracy as a, as a, as a business, a, a criminal business that involves a lot of network. So I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, 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 um, to come to that conclusion to say is that the socioeconomic issues in Nigeria that is actually fueling it. Piracy is a, is, is a criminal business and it involves a network. That's, that's what I, I, I think. Okay, well, thank you so much, um, Constance, for the, the, the commentary and the, the explanation you provided so far. And the fact that, of course, you see um, threats of piracy as an organized crime. I would then want you to speak on the piracy arts of Nigeria. I mean, how, if you think it has made any difference, you know, between when um, incidences of piracy have been ongoing without any legal document to help Nigeria um, solve the problem in terms of when there's been successful interdiction, you know, then to be able to prosecute the criminals. So since the, the act was um, finalized in 2019, they have successfully used it to prosecute two crimes, or one in 2000, and, uh, sorry, one in 2020 and the other in 2021. So I'd like you to talk to us about it, especially given that you see it as an organized crime. Perhaps you can start with um, the persecution from 2020, where three people were found guilty of acts of piracy. Okay, so like you noted, it's a, it's a, I, I believe it's a starting point. This, uh, the act itself is a starting point. But I, I really, if I'm going to be very objective, I don't think it has actually achieved the intention it hasn't achieved the intention and i say this because uh for okay so even after the the, the cases that have been prosecuted so far they are all cases that uh, happened in 20 2020 i think so for 2021 for example there's been a lot of uh, incidences I, I mean for the first quarter of uh, 2021 is recorded that there were uh, 38 uh, 38 incidences for quarter one of 2021, so there's no, uh, no, no. Uh, there's been no prosecution for any of these incidences in 2021. So all the incidences that have been prosecuted so far, they are all um, incidences that arose in 2020. So for that, I, I won't really say it has uh, it has been so successful. I mean, it's a good step in the right direction, but uh, it hasn't really met the expectation of. Uh, the stakeholders. Thank you so much for that response, but I, I think I have a follow-up question. So it hasn't really met the expectation of stakeholders, but what are the people on the ground saying about it? Are they hopeful about, well, now we have uh, a criminal law or yeah a law that can actually be used to prosecute criminals if there's been successful interdiction therefore this is obviously a step in the right direction compared to when for example nigeria was working without such a law which would have meant that even when there are successful interdictions as we have noted in the past they are not able to prosecute because there's basically no law so even though stakeholders might not it hasn't met the expectation of stakeholders. Do you still think that this is, of course, a step in the right direction, having an act? 
Of course, I think so. And I, I, uh, the relevant agencies that have roles to play, uh, I, they are working together, which is a good thing. So like, uh, you know, a persecution of, uh, of any crime, I mean, the standard of proof in Nigeria is proved beyond reasonable doubt. So it, it, there's a lot of that goes with that in terms of like uh, gathering the evidence and uh, actually uh, presenting a case that you could support to establish that uh, proof beyond reasonable doubt. And I know like there's been a lot of partnerships with uh, international um, stakeholders in terms of uh, improving, developing capacity in this regard. So uh, let me, <laughs> let me, I, I mean, I'm hopeful that like when those um, efforts begin to yield results, then we'll see better, better action in terms of persecution. What is the, what is the status? Do you think it's, it has a deterrence um, effect? Uh, currently, I, I, I wouldn't say so because even the, the reduction in incidences witnessed like for the second half of this uh, 2021, I really don't, I can't attribute it to successful persecution. That's not, uh, I, I, I don't think that's been the, so it's not really, that's why I'm saying that it hasn't achieved that are objective of serving as a deterrent. So I'm hopeful and believing that when the efforts in terms of building capacity for persecution, when, when I mean, when they begin to deploy the results of those efforts, then we'll see uh, better uh, reasons to believe that it's gonna serve as a deterrent. What capacity is needed when you say building capacity? What kind of capacity is, is needed? What are the gaps that need filling when it comes to capacity? Okay, so now currently the Attorney General of the Federation of Nigeria, he's the chief um, uh, prosecutor for this law. And uh, he has the powers to give, um, uh, to, uh, to give a fiat to other security um, enforcement uh, uh, agencies to prosecute. But so far, so good. I don't think any fiat has been given. So that's an issue that needs to be, um, needs to, is, is an issue internally that needs to be looked into in terms of like actually um, deciding the uh, uh, proper authority. We know it's the Attorney General of the Federation, but there might be need to um, um, give a fiat to another um, enforcement body to do it. So it's more uh, effective. Okay, so basically it's about, is it about, if my understanding is, again, like piracy is not my forte, I would say, uh, thankfully. <laughs> uh, but I'm just, I'm just um, trying to understand here that gap is more a, a process issue, is it? Yes, yes. Or a training, okay. Yeah, I, I believe it's more both actually, both a, a process issue and training. I think he's put of them. Okay, and, well, thank uh, you. Okay, no, here, go on. Yeah, sorry, I was just going to uh, follow up on that. Like, uh, who can build that capacity? Okay, so it's something the uh, uh, leadership of the respective authorities have to decide. So it's an internal decision. So for example, you have uh, an agency like the Economic and um, Financial Crimes Commission I mean, they have, uh, they could uh, take on some of this persecution, but they are already, um, I would say, overburdened with um, corruption cases. 
So I, I think it's important that like the leaders, I mean, the relevant enforcement authorities, they, they come to a definite understanding on how and develop a strategy for persecution. There needs to be a strategy for persecution. Thank you so much for, for the insight. And I also like the fact that obviously you made it clear that persecution is not necessarily going to be the only deterrence for um, addressing piracy in the region because we need more successful interdiction before you can then be able to, to persecute. So having an act is the step in the right direction. Being able to utilize that art is also another step in the right direction, which in recent times, Nigeria and Togo have been able to do, but then we need to do more in terms of the countries in the region to ensure that they work together, supported um, by their international partners, of course, to ensure not only piracy and ambrobiacy is addressed, but also other threats. So given that you've identified some limitations, I wonder, so what do you think in terms of the laws? What do you think is working well? When we get that, then the next question would be, what can then be done differently by Nigeria to ensure that the law work as effective as it would have expected it to? You know, to, to uh, carry out any, any job, any job funds are required, so, um, and this is, a, is actually a dicey issue because, I mean, earlier on in the week, uh, I read reports that uh, the Nigerian House of Representatives, they, they, they've approved uh, the report of uh, a, a recommendation for the establishment of a Nigerian um, Maritime Trust Fund. So this is, uh, it's always been there. I, I, I think I'd commented on this earlier on in the past, that uh, such a pursuing such agenda for the establishment of a trust fund for uh, maritime security is a kind of a, uh, will I say, proliferation of, uh, of funds, of, of, of objectives, because uh, under the Suppression of Piracy uh, Act, you have a, a fund there. Uh, there's provision for a fund to be established to actually fund the activities and the responsibilities um, created in the act. So I, I know that is in the pipeline, it's not been uh, fully set up yet, but uh, a situation where the uh, uh, representative of the Navy, as in the chair of the Navy committee is uh, pushing for the establishment of this, uh, a trust fund to do similar thing with what the fund under the Suppression of Privacy Act is meant to do. I don't really think is a very, uh, it doesn't show uh, collaboration. It doesn't show collaboration. And that's because the Nigerian Navy and the Nigerian Maritime Administration and Safety Agency, they actually, um, uh, they, are, they are obligated under the Suppression of Privacy Act to work together to see to the um, realization of uh, the objectives of the act. So I, 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 I'm hopeful that like such a, such a moves will not really be considered. So it raises another issue again as per the, the willingness of uh, both parties to collaborate in good faith. This is because uh, I, I believe uh, one gap that I, I noted in this, uh, um, in the suppression of piracy acts is that like uh, the NIMASA is a, it's a, 
stated to be the coordinator, is the coordinating agency for the act. And uh, one thing, I, the way I see maritime security issues is, uh, is like going on a battle, in quotes, <laughs> going on a battle, in quotes, and you have a civilian organization leading the military, the whole law enforcement apparatus to go in battle is, I don't know. <laughs> I think uh, it would be good in the near future if uh, this uh, civilian, instead of having like uh, a civilian uh, military collaboration, I would uh, propose, and uh, what's it called? <laughs> I'll propose a, a, a paramilitary institution instead. So instead of having a civilian military collaboration, I think a paramilitary institution is, um, it, it looks like something that will be better in, in, in being effective. Because in that case, you have uh, an institution that is in charge rather than leaving it subject to collaboration. I mean, collaboration is neither here or there. Okay, thank you so much for that. And I wanted to just spell out that in case some of our audience do not know, the meaning of uh, NIMASA is the Nigeria Maritime Administration and Safety Agency. Um, I have a follow-up question based on what you've said, you know, yeah, paramilitary organization might be better. And I'd like you to sort of explain a bit further. What would that entail? What would having a paramilitary organization entail? What kind of, when you say paramilitary, what does that mean? Because it seems to sort of suggest that civilian and military collaboration might not be possible. No, that's, that's the current situation of things. What I'm yeah. saying for better, uh, for effectiveness and to uh, for, for leadership, uh -huh. instead of having a civilian and uh, military collaboration, a paramilitary institution might be better. And that, I said it because there are models uh, all over the world, uh, like the US Coast Guard, for example, you have the US uh, Navy, you have their Coast Guard with their respective uh, responsibilities. And so a situation where you have a civilian or uh, a civilian uh, organization, will I say leading? Because uh, uh, NIMASA, that's the Nigerian Maritime Administration and Safety Agency. They are the ones funding, is, is the, that's the organization funding a uh, substantial part of this uh, uh, maritime security uh, uh, responsibilities. They are the, the, they are the lead uh, financiers. So I, I, I believe like uh, in going forward, it's, uh, it will be good for like uh, relevant Nigerian authorities to look into, into this uh, structure. Instead of having collaborations, have an institution that deals with the matter. So and then, again, mother, sorry, yeah. again, I, I just want clarity because so that we don't, our audience don't get confused around the idea of whether collaboration is a bad thing or not. But I want you to say explicitly, what would that paramilitary organization look like? Are you suggesting we need like a US style, like a Coast Guard and also like what we have with the Navy? Are you suggesting what exactly? I, I would like you to be more explicit and telling us, okay, this is what we have now. It doesn't seem to be working. This is what we can have. You've already mentioned paramilitary organization, but can you, tell us what will that paramilitary organization look like, for example? It's going to look like a Coast Guard. So currently you have the Nigerian Navy. Um, I would say they are the ones actually functioning like a Coast Guard, even though uh, NEMASA has been given a lot of Coast Guard responsibilities, but you can't be a guard without arms. So it takes uh, NEMASA out currently in, in terms of um, 
the leadership of the Coast Guard uh, responsibilities. So the Nigerian Navy, it's actually uh, serving as uh, the Coast Guard for Nigeria currently. But I mean, we are in a democracy in Nigeria. I mean, as at the time that uh, the Armed Forces Act was uh, enacted that gives uh, the Nigerian Navy those responsibilities, I, I think we're in a military regime. So over the years, I mean, things have changed and I believe, I mean, it's time to actually address most of these issues as we continue to strengthen our democracy in Nigeria. Thanks so much for clarifying. And, and that is actually something that is worth noting. I mean, for me personally, I, I recognize the point that you make around um, having a paramilitary organization, but I also want to highlight, of course, you've already noted this earlier, the importance of collaboration. Because whilst we wait for that perfect scenario where you know, there's an organization that can do these things, you know, ensure that the law is implemented, whilst we have what we have now, how can we make what we have now work? And I think that is something that is very important for us to sort of clarify. And given your expertise, I'd like, I'd like you to tell us what you think or how you think we can make what we have in the interim work whilst we aspire for that time where there's almost a perfection of how of things working how it should. Okay, so um, I, I, I think um, we should have a, a maritime security strategy. Mm -hmm. Currently, there's nothing like that. So everything that has been done, I really don't know the exact considerations. I know we have the law. I mean, having the law is good, but like the law is just like a general guide, but how to um, achieve implementation of this law, like the strategy. For example, uh, you know about the Nigerian uh, Deep Blue Project, uh, where is a project under which uh, several assets were acquired to help in the fight uh, against the maritime insecurity. So that kind of project now, I mean, it's uh, I, 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 whether it's long-term, short-term. So these are the things a maritime security strategy would actually uh, identify and guide um, the application of those things because it helps you to know, assess your capabilities, then you know what it actually entails to effectively uh, police those waters. So I believe um, if uh, the relevant uh, parties uh, come together to um, have this maritime security strategy, I mean, the soonest, uh, is, is it, it will be better in terms of uh, effective implementation. Thank you so much. Um, Dihia, do you have any any follow-up question or comment for Constance? I am awe inspired by Constance's expertise, I must say. Uh, I have learned so much. I've been taking notes like savagely, I would say, <laughs> since the beginning. Um, I am, what, one thing that I have to say, and it's more of a comment than a question, is that we often talk about, um, you know, capacity building. And I think that Nigeria has a massive role to play in building the capacity of the international community in this particular field, not only because of the experience, but because Nigeria is a leader. I think this is my humble opinion. Nigeria is a leader when it comes to this, despite, you know, the gaps, despite what, what has been discussed. But I think that there is an opportunity here to educate and hopefully we have educated and Constance has educated the audience with regards to what it means 
um, with regards to what is being done and with regards to the meaning of that for the future. Um, Constance, I have a question for you. Um, okay. if, if you have, if you had the opportunity to do something, you know, the have the power and the opportunity to do something uh, with regards to piracy in in the region in general, what would you do? Power and opportunity again. What is it that you would do? What is it that you would introduce or add or or, or remove? I will work towards uh, the establishment of a Nigerian Coast Guard. Okay, that That's would what if I if I had. <laughs> If I had the powers, I will work towards establishing the Nigerian Coast Guard because I think we are long overdue for one. Okay. I am happily going to share this episode with uh, my friends at the Canadian Coast Guard. They're going to be really happy to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much, Constance, for that. I, I, I wanted to, again, a follow-up question given the response you give to the here if you had the power you establish a coast guard so will that coast guard work um collaboratively with the navy but it would then mean that the navy have less responsibility rather than being the jack of all trade that they currently are or would they how would it work obviously the the roles of uh, the responsibilities of the navy we have to be i mean which to be streamlined Mm -hmm. possibly to focus on maritime defense as against maritime security. So in, I mean, having a, a structure like this, it will mean that there's a clear leader. There's a clear leader for the maritime security issues. So even the role of uh, NIMASA will also be streamlined as well. I mean, if I have the powers, that's what I would do. Okay, thank you so much. And Personally, I genuinely feel that this is one of those episodes or topics that I really wish we had more time because it would really make for, you know, better contest and digging deeper for us to understand how this would work because you never really know who is listening and the person listening might have the power and the well with that right now to implement change. So thank you so much for the, the ideas and I hope that, I mean, you will honor our invitation if we invite you again to talk more about you know, the practicality of, of how things are going to work. Thanks for telling us about the challenges. Thanks for telling us about what the country is doing differently. And Dihia, I think you don't have to apologize by saying, you know, regardless of the limitations or the challenges, Nigeria is absolutely, and I'm sure Constance will agree, is the leading power when it comes to addressing piracy on the African continent, and they are not shying away from their responsibility. So you're right to say that the global communities have a few things to learn, not only from Nigeria, but also from other Gulf of Guinea countries that are doing their bit to ensure maritime safety and security in the region. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. All right. Well, to our audience, thank you so much for listening, like always. And I hope you have learned. I mean, I know I've learned a lot. Like Dihi, I've been taking note. And uh, uh, Constance, I hope that you will honor our invitation when we invite you again, because we definitely still have a lot to talk about. Thank you. And our dear audience, don't forget to share. Yes, absolutely.